Today's episode is brought to you by Dreammaker Racing, the New York bred specialist. From top quality New York bred racehorses, Hall of Fame trainers, and unmatched hospitality services, Dreammaker Racing has everything to offer when it comes to owning a racehorse. Have you ever imagined what it's like to see your horse cross the finish line first at racetracks like Saratoga or Belmont? Well, now you can. Dreammaker Racing will put you in the winner's circle. Call today at 518 518- 587-5550 or visit DreamMakerRacing.com and let us make your dreams come true today. And we're live, pal. Welcome back. Another episode of the Stewcast. I'm, of course, Stu. Like, rate, subscribe, wherever you're getting this podcast. Keep those keep those downloads coming. Check me out at Stucast Sports. Come join the conversation. Get in an argument with me. I love it. I love playing in the mud. Uh, look, I know we're going to get to the show. You're not tuning in. Normally, I don't pop in anymore with these uh, openers, but I feel like it's a good idea let you, the listener, know where the show's going, what direction, uh, because you're right. You guys are riding or dying with me, and and uh, so I appreciate that, and a lot of really nice words. So uh, it makes me want to keep doing this. But uh, coming up, uh, we're gonna have the college football show. Uh, we're gonna start working some more college basketball. We're gonna try and do more plays every single day or a couple times a week when college basketball really gets going. You know, it's a it's a seven day a week thing with college basketball. Uh, and we're also gonna start mixing some more as it comes to it. Try and mix in more NBA. You know, it was tough this year with all the sports happening, and I just. I I didn't really pay attention to the NBA or MLB as much as I probably should have. Uh I I just I got swamped with uh with college football and whatnot and NFL. So, you know, I that's my bad. We're gonna try with hopefully with everything uh looking like the schedule that's coming up. We'll work some more college, basketball, NBA, NHL chat into the conversation. Um but yeah, I mean that's that's really going to take us through the end of the year into the early part of next, and and I hope you're on the ride with me. I got a lot of really cool guests lined up, a lot of really cool uh, talks happening for bigger things. So uh, stay on the train, don't jump off, and uh, please, please, and tell your friends. Let's get some more people. Uh, going here drop me a review on itunes five stars is appreciated but you know whatever you feel and with that i'm gonna start you off with the first of our uh, college basketball previews looking at the big 10 with my friends asher Lowe of lockdown badgers and justin money munson take it away fellas All right, we're back. Uh, Big Ten preview. Nobody better to do it with than my two guys right here. Uh, first, returning guest, you can catch him in Locked on Badgers, available podcast. It's a good Twitter feed, especially if you want to know what Bucky's up to. That's, of course, Asher Lowe. Asher, thank you for coming back on, man. 
Of course, let's do it. Uh, and then Tom Mizzo's eighth favorite student assistant of all time, Justin Money Munson. Jay, Jay Money, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back. Uh, college basketball, it looks like it's going to happen. Big Ten is, without a doubt, the most competitive and probably it's right there with the Big East, in my mind, as being the most interesting this year. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you, Asher, to start it off because your Badgers sure look – they look really tough this year. Really tough. And I think the interesting thing about this Wisconsin team is it was hard for me to remember. I don't know if I can think of one, at least in my lifetime, a team that will start five seniors and is a true contender. It's a power five program that I don't remember ever uh, in recent memory, just given how the game has changed. And that's what Wisconsin will do this year. They have five guys coming back that started the game in Indiana last year that gave Wisconsin a big 10 championship. Everybody returns. You only lose Brevin Pritzel, who was a sharpshooter last year for this team and there'll be some guys that can fill that role but you add with those five seniors returning in the starting lineup you add a freshman class that is as deep as Greg Gard has ever had it's by far the best class he has brought in in his time since taking over for Bo Ryan so you have depth both in the youth and with experience yeah I mean this Wisconsin team money uh, I can't remember them having this nice a recruiting class uh what was your take since you, you've seen him a little bit more of uh, Lauren Bowman the third coming in? Yeah, I agree with you, everything you're saying there. Um, they Bringing everybody back and then bringing in a whole freshman class that you could arguably put on the floor and compete with some of the Big Ten teams, it just adds to the, to the depth that they're going to have. And the way that they play, they get up in you, and it just allows them to do more things and be more flexible and – and they're, they're going to be dangerous. They're going to be really good this year, I have a feeling. Yeah, I, I, brought, up, uh, I brought up Lauren Bowman because I, I looked at him and, uh, you know, a Detroit kid going to Wisconsin, you don't see that happen too often. It seems like they're really building something over there. Uh, my whole take on this team is, it, you know, Asher, are we seeing this? I mean, I feel like – the one great thing about Wisconsin athletics is that you know what you're getting with the football program and the basketball program. They're going to be in your face on defense. Do you think Greg Gard switches this up? Because it seems like, you know, we really saw Mika Potter towards the end of last season. Like he could be something uh, different than what we've seen before. Like real compliments, real sharp shooting, uh, maybe the the offense goes up. Are we still seeing the same Wisconsin basketball team, though? Yeah, I don't think you'll ever see uh, in the guard or Bill Ryan era, no matter who the personnel is, I really don't think you'll ever see a major change philosophy-wise and how this team prepares and how they play defense, their defensive philosophy, how they run the swing offense, or at least maybe not as much of it as was once run, but still principles of the swing is what you're going to see no matter who the personnel is. And – yeah, Greg Gard's teams have always started on the defensive end, and it'll be like that once again. And Micah Potter, you mentioned his name. He's a guy that actually was struggling defensively last year at times and would be taken off the floor. Uh, he had games where he was going off offensively, and he'd be taken off the floor at the end of games because he couldn't defend high ball screens. It happened against, uh, I believe it was Illinois at home, a game Wisconsin ended up winning barely, uh, and against Maryland at home as well, a game Wisconsin also ended up barely winning. Uh, where Michael Potter wasn't on the floor at the end of the game. So his defense improved 
throughout last year. And I think having all those guys returning will just make the defense even stronger going into this year. Uh, Vegas has uh, some very strong feelings about who's going to win the Big Ten. Of course, that's Illinois and Iowa. And when you look at the two teams, they are complete opposites. One plays defense, the other doesn't. One can shoot, the other doesn't. I'll start in uh, Champagne. Uh, Munson, it's been, what, 30 years since Illinois had a decent basketball team? Can go that far back that uh maybe 20 but yeah yeah uh, yeah there's no uh d brown running around lately but they do have a heck of a heck of a guard in uh ayo desumu i'll tell you what that kid can uh can flat out play and honestly he was a pro as a freshman and the fact that he's back again um they're, they're going to be so dangerous the fact that he and kofi um are back they give him such an inside outside game and they really bring good complimentary pieces back too and and Trent Frazier and and Georgie I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name but um they they do they have they have a good lineup but as you mentioned they're uh they're only going to go as far as they can defend uh you know Brad Underwood does like to to create a lot of pressure and um as long as they can do that without fouling um I think they're going to have enough offense to compete with anybody in the league I remember when they played Miami, Florida earlier in the year, and they just got smoked in their own gym. I think I, I think me and you were on the phone talking about that game, uh, Justin. And, Probably. And, I, like, oh, this team, if they don't hit the outside shot, and they very rarely do, uh, how far can they really go, Asher? The Illinois team? Yes. Yeah, I, you know – they're interesting. I actually think they have some of the best tournament uh, possibilities in this entire conference. I actually placed, uh, speaking of Vegas, I did place a future on Illinois to win it all. I think their odds are really, really, really good right now for uh, how highly I think they should be valued. But you got two guys returning that maybe wouldn't have returned, uh, but now we're coming back. And obviously we talked about Io. Kofi Coburn is a, a man. I mean, I don't know what else to say. He is a man. Um, Bashanish Vili, Trent Frazier, they have – they have some shooting, but it's going to be one at the defensive end, as you were saying. Brad Underwood is a guy that's always uh, hung his hat on that end of the floor, going back to days when he was pulling upsets with the Lumberjacks of Stephen F. Austin. So uh, I like them. Iowa, the bigger question for them is they've never had a top defense under Fran McCaffrey ever. Uh, in fact, I think I saw the stat was they never had a top 40 national defense ever under Fran McCaffrey. And I don't know how many unbelievable college basketball teams don't have at least a top 40. I mean, that's not even – we're not talking about – top 10, top five here, but a top 40 defense, despite all that offensive talent. For them, I think there are more questions, actually, than for an Illinois team where we know what we're getting at the defensive end every single night. Yeah, I was going to kind of lead to that. I mean, the talents there in Iowa, they, I mean, statistically, almost dead last in, in Division One as far as defensive points per game. I think they're Ken Palm on defense, defensive efficiencies, like 82nd, it's not great. No, and it hasn't been, uh, like I was saying, in the McCaffrey era, this is the most talent they've had in years. Uh, Luca Garza returning, obviously the best big man in the conference, probably the best player, forget big, small, best player in the country coming back. Uh, I, I, would, I would say Colby Ross is in that conversation, but uh, we're going to get to that later uh, with WCC <laughs> talk. I'm biased, but – 
Yeah, Wieskamp, you got Jordan Bahannon coming back, which is huge for this team. He is clutch. Uh, he's been clutch for a couple of years now at Iowa. Uh, I, I think they're, they're fun, but are they a team that can win five games in a row with that level of defense? I don't know. You, you mentioned that you put uh, a nice little wager on, on the fight in Illini in Vegas. I know Iowa, when I looked this morning, was at like plus 800 to win the tournament. Uh, Munson, is this uh, this a team that can win the whole thing, or do you think the defense just kills them? Yeah, unfortunately, I I don't see them winning the whole thing. I mean, as you guys have talked about, I I think they're going to score with anybody, but how many games did they lose, you know, when they couldn't outscore people last year? I mean, they – they're going to be dynamic. Those offensive weapons, Bohannon back for his eighth, tenth year now. Um, you know, if he can stay, yeah, if he can stay healthy, you know, he's going to bring a, a shooting component. It it just keeps keeps teams from, you know, being able to sink in on Luca even more when they have those shooters on the perimeter. But it's a matter of them being able to defend. I mean, Luca is is big and can protect the rim a little bit, but the rest of those guys have to find a way to keep people in front of them and and defend. Uh, or they're not going to make it very far at all, unfortunately. Um, and so uh, my goal with this, you know, I, I think the Badgers, the, the Hawkeyes, the Illini, there's not too much separating them. And then you throw into the mix uh, two other really interesting teams this year, Michigan State and Rutgers. I'll start with the Scarlet Knights. Asher, how impressed were you with Rutgers? Because it's not, it felt like Geo Baker and this Rutgers crew, they, they would always, once you get to the rack and, uh, you know, you're in Piscataway, it's a tough place to play. And then last year, it just really turned around and recruiting starting to come with it. Is this Rutgers team for real? Like, are, are, I know they return almost everybody. They're for real. Uh, I loved them last year. The issue this year, obviously, is that what will the rack be without the rack? I mean, is it going to be packed every night? Probably not. Good point. Right? Are we going to have people in there going nuts? Probably not. Uh, But Geo Baker is a gamer. His stats don't do him justice. He's one of those guys where if you look at stupid stats, I I always get mad. I mean, a lot of people my age, right? Like I'm 21. There are a lot of people my age that just get obsessed with points per game, with blocks, with steals, stats that don't mean a lot. Joe Baker's just basic stats don't really jump off the page at you. But if you watch him play a 40-minute basketball game, the impact he has on winning is as good as any guard, not in the conference, I think in the country. Literally, he wills teams to wins. Uh, He did it a couple times last year at home. But this team couldn't win on the road. They're not going to have fans behind them. The question is how much better do some of these guys get? There was a guy, Caleb McConnell, last year, who is going to be a junior this year. I was looking at him. He's 6'7", 200 pounds, right? strong, but, but still that, that kind of NBA, like slender body as a six, seven guard with guard skills. And I'm wondering like, why isn't this guy an NBA first round pick next year? Like he has so much ceiling uh, that hasn't been tapped into. So guys like that, if they can improve the pieces around a geo Baker, then, and a Ron Harper, who's coming back as well, they can be special. I like, uh, I like the center they got out of New Jersey, the Gatorade player of the year, Cliff Omaruyi. I know he was being looked at uh, by some big-name schools. Uh, the big ACC ones were there. The big offers out west were there. Um, 
and he stayed home, and that was a big get for uh, Coach Peichel. Um, it, it, this was a very good rebounding team, and they just kill you in the paint. They can't shoot a lick from three or an outside shot. Uh, money, it, Rutgers, what, what's their ceiling this year? Yeah, to, to hit on what you said, though, that, that center um, was a huge get for them. And you guys could correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think Geo Baker is probably the most underrated guard in our, in our league. Um, I agree. Yeah. I mean, as, yeah, as you said, Asher, I mean, he, he makes all the winning plays when they need to be made. And I mean, maybe besides uh, Desumu, he might be the most clutch player down the stretch. Cause, and I'm, maybe I'm a little bit biased too, cause they are, uh, they play a style of basketball that's very similar to my Spartans, but they are, they are a tough, a tough out. And as Asher brought up, uh, you know, what's the rack going to be like this year when it's, when it's empty. But I, I do think they have the the potential if some of those secondary players, you know, make a jump. Um, I do think that they can contend with those top tier teams. I don't know if they'll be able to do it on a consistent basis, but there's some talent there. I mean, they really got it rolling and um, you know, and hopefully those other guys can step up and, and help those guys that have proven themselves like Gio and, and Harper, as we've mentioned, but uh, unfortunately, I don't see them winning the league because the those top three teams are just that much better. But they're going to be right there, nipping at their heels the whole whole year. Justin, I wanted to add something quick, and I don't know if you did you did you play basketball like at a at any level or like have you played? I, I didn't. I just worked. Uh, I worked at Michigan State uh, with the team when I okay, was there. Okay, so you've been so. around it, like you, yeah, you know, you've been around practices and all that. Definitely, obviously, then uh, high level practices, but. I was going to say that playing in an empty gym and it, I think it's different in football because I, I don't know. I just don't feel as though fo- college football uh, has as big of an impact when you take away the fans as college basketball will and the sport of basketball playing in an empty gym is just like a whole nother thing. I mean, it literally feels like playing open run. Like, like it's totally different. Um, and momentum in basketball, like a, a made shot can literally be swayed by a crowd. Uh, a made shot can, uh, turn into five really quickly at home. Uh, it can turn into 10 misses in a row if you start missing. Uh, but you take so many elements out of it, taking away a crowd. I can't wait to see what the Big Ten is going to be like, where you're basically playing in a local, you know, 24-hour fitness gym. Hey, so, some it, of those 24-hour – oh. oh, I was going to say, some of those 24-hour fitness gyms get a little rowdy. I don't know which ones you go to, but – Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Go ahead, money. No, I was just going to add that, you know, it, it's a great point because you look at some of the, the Big Ten arenas and and that's what they pride themselves on is, is being difficult to for opposing teams. I mean, it doesn't matter, I mean, where you are, Champaign, um, I mean, East Lansing, anywhere in between. I mean, those, those places are rowdy. So um, to Asher's point about momentum, I think it's going to be huge because I think I'm going to venture to say that we've all been in those gyms when it's almost deafening because, you know, somebody hits three shots in a row or, yeah. or something in a big game. And, and that, that's just not going to be there this year. So uh, yeah, open gyms are, are competitive, but when you don't have, you know, 10, 12, 15,000 fans uh, screaming, standing, uh, it's definitely going to be different. Let's head to East Lansing co big 10 champions with the Badgers. Uh, money, this is your team. You, you're close to the program. 
Uh, Rocket Watts, can he step into Cassius' shoes and, and f- fill those giant shoes that Cassius left behind? Uh, and, and how instrumental is Joey Hauser to, to playing in this lineup? Yeah, I, I don't think there could have been a better player for Rocket Watts to play alongside and learn from than Cassius. Um, obviously, those are huge, huge shoes to fill, and I, I am going to venture to say that he's not going to fill them completely. But I'm, I'm very curious to see the jump that he makes um, as a point guard because that's where it sounds like he's going to be playing. It sounds like he's going to be on the ball a lot, uh, being a playmaker in that offense. And um, last year he, he kind of ventured into more of – just a shooter and, and became very good at that. And we all know that he's good at that, but him as a playmaker, I think is going to be really interesting to see this year, how he handles um, the ball being in his hands more, but even more so than cash. I think the, the loss that might go more under the radar that people aren't going to realize is the uh, Xavier Tillman loss. Um, and that's where Joey Hauser comes in. Obviously Joey is not going to defend uh, like, like Xavier did, but uh I think you're going to get more scoring out of Hauser out of that position. So <laughs> Coach Izzo might not like uh, the one end of the floor from Hauser, but uh, I think uh, I think he's going to score enough to be able to get some significant minutes and really, really have an impact on this team. Asher, what's your take on the Spartan team? You know, I don't think they're in that, that tier with Illinois, Iowa, and Wisconsin, but I put them right below that. I like Rocket Watts. Uh, I think that he probably needs another year before he's he's a really, really good Big Ten player every single night. Uh, but you said it, Justin. I mean, losing Cassius Winston, it's one of those immeasurable losses. No matter who you are, if you lose a player like Cassius Winston, those are going to be tough shoes to fill. And, yeah, Xavier Tillman, who he struggled against Wisconsin last year. Oh, my goodness. I remember that game. He couldn't make a layup. How many missed layups? How many missed layups? <laughs> I've never seen anything like that from him, but every, every other time I've watched him play, right. His energy is infectious. He rebounds extremely well. Uh, He was a man amongst boys many times watching him in the big 10 conference. So it's a big loss unless you're playing Wisconsin at the Kohl center where he can't buy layups. But yeah, I think they're at Michigan state. They're, they're a step below the Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin trio at the top. And I'd put them, you know, I'm not sure if Justin's going to like to hear this, but I actually put them right on par with Ohio State, who I think is going to overachieve basically everyone's expectations for them this year. I put them in that tier two with Ohio State and maybe another team or two. We're, we'll, we'll add them to the card because I, I think that's, uh, that's a ballsy prediction that Ohio State's going to come up that high. I, I will say, though, uh, Money, uh, I, can Rocket Watts just play 39 minutes a game? I, I don't know that that's – going to be doable for him but uh, they don't have another guy to play point well I mean you know under Izzo that he will never play 39 minutes but to your point he he is going to have to play a lot I mean they don't have much behind him unfortunately the foster lawyer project has not worked out uh, the way they maybe hoped Um, and then after that you're leaning on a fresh A.J. Hoggart, who I've heard good things about, uh, really changed his body. Freshman guards uh, under Izzo, he, he, he weans them in very slowly. He does not throw them to the wolves. So as much as we would love to see Rocket off the ball, maybe some um, at the shooting guard position, 
Um, the option I do see in that that I think will be really interesting is Aaron Henry, I believe, does have some point guard um, possibilities just with his playmaking ability. Um, another guy that can, you know, kind of run the offense and, and distribute well. So I do think there'll be some lineups where you will see Rocket off the ball, whether that's Hoggart or Aaron Henry with the, with the ball. Um, they're going to try to find ways to get Rocket some shots and, you know, running him off some screens and things like that. And Aaron Henry, I think, is another possibility at that point guard position too. But to your point, he's Rocket's going to be asked to do a lot this year, whether it's at the point or the shooting guard. They're going to lean on him a lot, and they're going to they're going to need his scoring. Um, you know, like like we said, because Cassius was a big loss, and they got to find that somewhere. As good a player as Aaron Henry is, he's not going to be a twenty point a game guy. I I don't believe um, he'll have a great all around game, but they're going to have to find some scoring, and then they're going to lean heavily on Rocket. Asher, you brought up Ohio State, and I was going to leave them for uh, other thoughts, but uh, sell me on Ohio State because they lose Wesson, they lose Carton. Seth Towns transfers in, but he, you're not going to see him till January maybe. W- why Ohio State? So Seth Towns is definitely an important part of why I would like Ohio State. But a couple other transfers that are under the radar, Abel Porter is a guy that's going to come in and be a really solid backup point guard for this team out of Utah State, a guy that played with Sam Merrill on a team that was going to go to the NCAA tournament last year and be a force, but obviously things got canceled there. A lot of experience with him coming in as a backup PG. I think certain guys in this roster can take the next step. EJ Liddell, I'm expecting to take the next step. I'm expecting a guy like Dwayne Washington to take the next step, C.J. Walker. So you return some guys that are talented, but you get depth with these transfers coming in. And, yeah, Seth Towns is key. The guy gets buckets. No matter what level he's playing at, he gets buckets. A three-level score uh, for sure. A guy that can stretch the floor, a guy that can get to the rim and finish with both hands. Uh, He was a bucket getter at Harvard. He's going to be a bucket getter in the Big Ten. Strong. Very strong. I – I, I, I still, because I hate Ohio State, I, I want to hope you're not right. Oh, uh, I don't like them either. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least at least we can come to agreement on that. Uh, gentlemen, I'm going to open up the floor. I know that we only covered and talked about six teams here, but uh, we still got a whole bunch left and some good ones at that. Money, what are, what are some other storylines, things to be – aware of going into the start of this season in regards to the big 10. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm really curious to, to see what the school down the road does. Uh, I do think Michigan has some potential there um, with some of the guys that they brought in as transfers. Um, But it's just a matter of do their guys that have been good role players. um, Are they able to, you know, take that next step, you know, and Eli Brooks, uh, you know, can he play more consistently and shoot? Can Isaiah Livers be a guy that really carries them as an 18 to 20 point scorer? You know, um, Franz, Franz Wagner has looked, he's looked really good, uh, you know, as a young player, but will he make a big jump from his freshman to sophomore year? And then they got a couple transfers, you know, they, they've taken advantage of that and, and we'll see if those guys can step in and, and fill roles that, you know, that they're missing. But I, I think, I think there are potential to, you know, maybe surprise some teams, uh, maybe work their way into that second tier. Um, but, yeah, they're a team that intrigues me just with the, the amount of question marks that they have. 
Well, you yeah, know, Jawan Howard's the next John Wooden. That's what I hear on uh, <laughs> Michigan message boards. Go ahead, Asher. I was going to say, going off that, uh, not talking about Michigan, but talking about a team, Justin and I, that I put, I would put exactly in that category where they're intriguing to me. I don't know how good they're actually going to be, but I think they could be better than people think, would be Indiana. And I think Trace Jackson Davis, and this is an interesting year for uh, the, the experiment of Archie Miller at Indiana. He's got to take another step forward, and I think this could be a year to do it with Trace Jackson Davis taking a step forward himself after a tremendous true freshman year into his sophomore season. Who knows how long he'll actually be around. So this could be – absolutely could be his last year in Bloomington and a year where they need some production as a, as a basketball team. He returned uh, some guards that are experienced in Rob Finnessy, uh, Durham – and you have that senior leadership there. But Trace Jackson Davis has to be one of the best players in the conference for this team to have a chance. And I think he actually can be. Well, and, I, and you got to throw Christian Lander in there, no? I mean, he's, uh, you know, the top, one of the top rated, uh, depending on what site you, you subscribe to, but top rated point guard coming into the class. A huge get for Archie Miller, maybe his biggest one or right up there with it in a short time. Um, Money, what's your take on Indiana? I actually agree. Um, The one thing I will double down on what Asher said is um, this might be Archie's last year if they don't make something happen. Uh, Because they they were getting rowdy last year. Um, And you know how that fan base can be, man. They can become ruthless. Those donors start talking. Um, if they don't make that push into that second tier, like we're talking about, Archie's probably on his way out. Um, but yeah, I agree. Trace, uh, Trace Jackson Davis is, I think, I think he has the potential to be a top three player in this league. I really do. Last year he had really no support and, and single-handedly carried them in some of the games last year. So I'm curious how some of those pieces, again, like we've talked about those secondary pieces, if they can step up, you know, great recruiter, uh, recruiting class coming in. So if they can fit those pieces together, I think there's some potential to, to be better than teams expect. But again, I, I would put Archie on one of the hotter seats in the, in the big 10. How many teams uh, do you guys think the big 10 is going to send to uh, the tournament? It's a dangerous question. Uh, I feel like, I mean, if we listen to uh, Mr. Patino in Minnesota, the young Patino, it's going to be as many as get to Minnesota in. I think he said 12. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be 12, but I could go nine or 10. I could see that happening. I think that if you're looking at the locks right at the top, you have Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois. I'm going to go with Michigan State. It's also a lock. I don't think there's anything that could happen that would keep them out of the tournament this year. And then you get interesting, right? You're going to have probably eight teams in that next two tier two, tier three area where all eight could make it, five could make it, three could make it. None of that would surprise me. Money, same question to you. Yeah, I mean, we saw the, the AP poll comes out today and it, and it has seven Big Ten teams in it. And I think realistically, you know, those seven are, are looking really good at, at having a – you know, getting in the tournament. So, I mean, right there's seven. I think the way this league is set up, though, it is set up to beat up on each other. So depends on how the committee views it. You know, some of those quality wins, um, do those carry some weight uh, over maybe a, a record that's not looking so hot 
just because I do think it's going to be a, a pretty good league, especially at the top. So I, I could see seven or eight realistically, um, you know, nine, I think would be a stretch. Uh, <laughs> Patino's taking a, a play out of his dad's playbook and trying to hype his team up more than they actually are. So um, I, I, I think that's realistic though. Eight or nine would be, would be my ceiling for, for entries into the tournament this year. All right. I'm going to put you guys on the spot here. Money, you're going first. Give me who wins the Big Ten this year. Yeah, if I if I had to put money on it, I actually I actually agree with Asher. I, I would take the Illini. I think they have um, you know two of the top five scorers in the league, and and the way that Underwood defend, uh, wants them to defend. If if he can get those guys to do that, I think they have uh, the potential to to really really make some noise and and win this league. I'm not sure I'll say it on Locked On Badgers ever, but I would probably also go with Illinois. Uh, hopefully not too many people that listen to me every day on that show hear this, but <laughs> I would go with the fighting Illini. And maybe I will Maybe I will have the guts to pick against Wisconsin on Locked On Badgers for once. Uh, but I do think Wisconsin comes in second. I think Iowa disappoints a little bit and comes in third. You know what? I, I got to disagree a little bit. I, I don't think Iowa wins the conference. Uh, but I, I think the Badgers repeat here. Uh, I just I think that that team is just as steady as she goes. And even in years where you look at the Badgers, they don't have like, you know, they don't have the guy who's the five star going to the NBA recruit. They don't have that, but yet they're just the steady ship. And uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick against. Locked on Badgers here. I'm throwing the Badgers up as the winners. No complaints for me. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, before we let you guys go, uh, Asher, real quick, uh, this Wisconsin-Michigan game, it, it, any update on that? Uh, we're taping this on a late Monday night. This will be going out as you hear it, you know, obviously Thursday morning. But – any take on that game or, you know, is this game actually going to happen? Yeah, it's going to happen. Uh, today was basically the confirmation of that. Wisconsin's practicing as normal. They started practice today as normal for a normal game week of prep. Graham Mertz can play if he passes through his what they call activity progressions in the Big Ten protocol. He can play on Saturday. So it, right now you're looking at Graham Mertz in Wisconsin against Michigan on Saturday. All things go. Has he been able to practice, Asher? Yeah, so this is an interesting question. I keep getting this on uh, Locked On Batters. It's a bit of a complicated protocol, but to break it down simply, he can practice on day 19 for him, which would be Wednesday, 19 being 19 days after his first positive test. But that's team practice. He can actually start his conditioning with uh, Wisconsin personnel, not with the team and normal practice, but he can start conditioning on day 15, which would have been yesterday, and then every day, when I said activity progression, every day they have a new activity he can get up to. And then by Wednesday, if everything goes well and everything's passed through, he can practice with the team. So he'll have, should have three days of practice with Wisconsin football and should be able to start on Saturday, even though Paul Christ and Wisconsin's, you know, whole, whole machine there doesn't want to give that away, obviously. To Jim <laughs> I, uh, I am itching to uh, see what the line is on that in Vegas. I can tell you, and I'm shocked, by the way, about it. It's, oh, it's minus, minus one and a half. Nearly a pick 'em. 
So I, I will, yeah, that is shocking. I'll give you a stat here. Jim Harbaugh, 0-14 as an underdog. Not great. Uh, so no. I will be picking the Badgers. But you're, you're going to hear more about that on the college football preview show coming up after this. Asher, where can the good folks find your work? I mean, you're, you're a knowledgeable guy, even though you're a Bucky the Badger kind of guy. <laughs> Won't hold that against you. Where can people find more of your uh, Big Ten info and Wisconsin info? Yeah, at Locked On Badgers with the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day, being a company man, giving the slogan. But Locked On Badgers is available wherever you get your podcasts, Monday through Friday, all Wisconsin football and basketball, and a little bit of just Big Ten in general mixed in. A lot of recruiting interviews and some other fun stuff we do. And you can find it on Twitter as well at Locked On Badgers and my Twitter at ALOW underscore 33. Hey, Asher, are you covering any uh, Wisconsin hockey? You guys got a little bit of a decent program out there. Yeah, a good. I mean, oh my God, the men's program last year was the biggest joke. I actually called the games for. Uh, I was a student last year. I was a senior, so I actually called games for the Big Ten Network, and it was a disappointing hockey year on the men's side. Our women's hockey team—that's where that's where the money's made. That was my only national championship as a student was women's <laughs> hockey. Well, at least you got one. Yeah, exactly. You could be at Michigan, where they don't get any, uh, but they claim to. Um, Money, where can the good people find your work? Yes, on Twitter, I'm uh, JT Munson11. Uh, my, my high school basketball season that I coach with is uh, getting started, so you'll see lots of, lots of high school stats and uh, things like that coming up. But, yeah, hit me up if anybody wants to talk, uh, talk basketball. I love it. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate it, and we will be right back after this. What's going on? It's Matt Bernier from the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In the Money Media Network. Be sure to join us every Monday, occasionally Tuesdays, but for the most part, every Monday. However you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's YouTube, you name it, you can find it a million different places, including InTheMoneyPodcast.com. It's the Matt Bernier Show. Anything and everything to do with the world of horse racing. All right, gentlemen, we are back. College football preview as always, joined by my left and right side guys, starting off the Bobcat, also known as uh, the Pride of Alabama, also known as Nick Saban's long lost child, also known as John Castorani. How are you, brother? Oh, man, I'm doing all right. A little depressing uh, to see uh, Alabama's not going to play this weekend uh, due to some silliness. Uh, from the LSU uh, athletic department. Uh, Lane Kiffin seems to think that they're using it to hide some injuries or that teams just don't want to get beat this weekend. I get it. Um, But let us never, ever forget the Roll Tide FU that Coach O is on video saying. Um, For the past two weeks, Nick Saban has been blaring that in every single building uh, on on Alabama's (laughs) football facility. Um. And, you know, it's very difficult to beat Nick Saban two years in a row. Nobody's done it. just doesn't happen while he's at Alabama. Uh, You don't do that. Um, And so, yeah, we'll wait another year to get revenge on the Corn Dogs down in Baton Rouge. Uh, But they gave up a home game. It's COVID, so I don't know if that matters, but they gave up a home game. So best of luck to them. Roll Tide. Uh, I guess get healthy or whatever. All right, on that chipper note, uh, the other side, my left-hand guy, 
Chris Van Dyne, North Coast Sports. Chris, good to talk to you as always, my man. Uh, good to talk to you guys too. Uh, it is a little depressing to have some of these games canceled. You know, and I was all over Alabama this week. I liked A&M this week. I liked Missouri this week. I love the Ohio State-Maryland over. A lot of games that I liked are getting canceled. But there's still – I still think it's a deep card. I still think there's a lot of plays to be made. And uh, we're having our college game of the year this weekend. So, top play on Saturdays is 9-1 North Coast Sports. It's been a great year so far. We won our top play last week on Northwestern. And uh, we're coming back for more this week with uh, our college game of the year, a five-star play. I, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to find out what that's going to be. Um, that's, that's a hell of a deal. Where can people find your five-star play, play of the weekend? Five, you don't give out five stars very often. No, no. We, we generally give them about, about – Maybe once a month, if that uh, game of the year, obviously it's a once a year play. That play in the history of North Coast sports is 28 and 10. 28 and 10 uh, in the history of North Coast sports on our game of the year. You can get that play at ncsports.com. It is $100 for non subscribers, the Power Sweep. But if you're a Power Sweep subscriber, you get it for 59 bucks. So a lot of value there on uh, on power. If you're a power sweep subscriber, if you're a subscriber to the 2021 uh, power sweep, so if you're already a year out, you can get it for forty nine dollars. And uh, we have also have a lot of deals this week uh, as far as packages to get the entire weekend. Last year on game of the year weekend, we actually went six and one. We lost our game of the year. <laughs> so, uh, but rough. But, I mean, going six and you know one, I mean, that's pretty good. If, if you didn't have a winning weekend last year on Game of the Year weekend, shame on you if you got those seven plays. And I, I, I know how people are sometimes. They, they want to key one game with everything they've got and let it ride. But, you know, we try to stress uh, being responsible and uh, playing each game based on our star ratings. And, you know, if you, if you had six and one last year, you should have made a heck of a lot of money. I know I did. Uh, but – ncsports.com, or you can call 1-800-654-3448. That is 1-800-654-3448. All right, beautiful. And and go check them out. I, and check out the podcast, too. Uh, do you have Jim back with you this week? We do, actually, and Robbie's back as well. We, we kind of incorporated both of them. You know, Jim was 4-0 in his plays last week, so I had to bring him back on the podcast. And, you know, he's got a quirky personality and is a lot of fun. Uh, so Jim was back this week, and uh, he gave about a couple good totals plays. I think that people are going to like. Certainly, things I might I might juice the card up with if I if I like something. Uh, it's a good podcast. It's a nice compendium or or something to listen to if you're listening to this as well. But why why don't we uh, get right into it? We're only going to look at three games. I mean, like like you said, Chris, and alluded to John. We we only have like. I have 30, 30 cancellations this week, so uh, we'll we'll just be very lean and mean. I'm okay with that. <laughs> so far. All right, we're going to start uh, just down the road from where me and John are in Blacksburg, Virginia. The Hurricanes travel into Vatek. They are getting two and a half over under 67. Bobcat, you want to start us off? 
Yeah, so uh, I this is not a play for me after watching Virginia Tech uh, last week just get absolute throttled uh, by Liberty. Uh, and then Derek King last week had 535 total yards and five touchdowns uh, in a shootout against NC State, which I called on the pod last week that uh, NC State always, you know, causes some trouble in the ACC uh, during that, you know, weekday game uh, that they have once a year, it seems like. Uh, this is a game I'm looking at the over at 67. I really see this game being like 38-31, 38-35, really close. But I think, it, you know, it's playable up to about 69-70. That's where I would lean here. I do actually like uh, the Hokies winning this game uh, because Hendon Hooker, uh, who beat the Canes last season, you know, he's got 500-plus rushing yards through five games. Uh, and Miami's relying too much on Derek King. Uh, and I, I just – I don't really like that. Uh, I don't put a lot of trust in Derek King. You guys know my opinion on him uh, and that entire Miami coaching staff. Uh, but if I had to play anything, it would be the, the over at 67 all the way up to about 70. Uh, after that, don't touch it. And I would actually take uh, the Virginia Tech money line because it's less than three points. You obviously just take the money line at that point. All righty. Uh, Chris. Uh, you, you had some thoughts on this game. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Miami uh, out for a little revenge. Hendon Hooker did beat him in this game last year. But Jaron Williams was starting in that game, and he had a horrendous start through four interceptions, and Virginia Tech got out to a 28 nothing lead. Miami rallied, tied the game, but ultimately lost 42-35. Uh, I believe Williams threw an interception in his first four possessions or something like that. It was a really bad performance. Um, I, I do think De'Aaron King, he's coming off a, f- a few huge performances. Like you said, 430 passing yards, 105 rushing yards against NC State. Kane's put up a season-high 620 yards. Didn't have Brevin Jordan in that game either, so I'm not sure if he's going to be back. I, I know he was out with like, contact tracing last week. Uh, Virginia Tech's allowing 464 yards per game. Their defense allows 35 yards per game more than their opponents are averaging. Miami's holding opponents 20 yards per game below their average. So I think the difference in this game is Miami's defense. Uh, Willis, the quarterback for Liberty last week, threw for 230 and three touchdowns, no interceptions, rushed for 108 last week. And I look at De'Aaron King as a very similar dual-threat quarterback. And I think if Malik Willis can do that to to Virginia Tech's defense, I definitely see uh, De'Aaron King being able to do that. So I think that Miami has the opportunity to put up a lot of points in this game. Virginia Tech's been leaking like a sieve on defense. Um, you know, and Liberty wasn't lucky to be in that game at the end. They were just as good as Virginia Tech. They were lucky to win a little bit because Justin Fuente made one of the all-time boneheaded decisions to call that timeout. The guy's kicking a 60-yard field goal. What do you need to ice him for? I mean, I know he has a good leg, but it's a 60-yard field goal. Let him kick it. I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to let you kick that. And frankly, I'm going to go off on a little uh, tirade. I I hate the idea of icing kickers in the first place. I'd rather have them running in the field trying to kick in a little bit of chaos than being able to relax and calmly let your center, you know, have, you know, get his uh, wits about him and snap, you know, snap the ball. And sometimes, you know, those coaches, they call that timeout right before the play clock's about to go off or right before the kicker's about to kick it. And then you end up letting the kicker get basically a practice shot at the field goal 
before, you know, another, maybe another practice shot. Cause you call another timeout if you have them. And what's the worst thing that can happen? He misses the field goal after you called the timeout. How many times have we seen kickers do that? They miss the field goal, but the coach called a timeout. So now they get a second chance at it. And that's what happened last week. Um, Virginia Tech's allowed 30-plus points in four of their seven games. I think Miami's going to hit into the high 30s, low 40s. Khalil Herbert, big-time running back for Virginia Tech's uncertain this weekend. Injured early in that Liberty game with a hamstring injury, and you got to figure a hammy injury. Even if he plays, he's not going to be 100%. And he's been averaging over nine yards a carry for them. So that'd be a big loss if he can't play or if he's not effective. Miami's going to have plenty to play for. They still only have one loss in the ACC. So technically they're not out of the ACC title game yet. I've got Miami winning this game 41-31. I don't mind, take, I don't mind uh, taking the points there. It's uh, what they're getting two and a half right now. And I definitely like this over. That's probably my preferred play is the over. And last week we did have uh, our second total of the week, our, our second top total was the Virginia Tech Liberty over. We caught a winner on that as a three-star totals play. So I think the moral of that story is, is buy power sweep, check it out, uh, see if this total uh, game is in there, or call the line, see if it's on the list. Um, you know, I, I think you bring up an interesting point with uh, Herbert being out. I mean, is, since he's transferred in, uh, he's coming out of Kansas, right? He's a Kansas Correct. transfer? Yeah. Um, and him I, and Puka Williams, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought I thought Herbert last year, what I saw of him, he was better than Puka Williams. So, I mean, it is what it is, right? But uh, this is an interesting game in that I really think Miami's just not – they they can defend the run. If you go back, they can they can uh, stuff the run. They hold uh, very competent offenses to under 130 yards on the ground, but they get murdered uh, through the air. I, I mean, they make some really piss poor average quarterbacks look very competent. Uh, I think Hendon Hooker has a day. Uh, I like the over here quite a bit. We'll see if it makes the card. Uh, but this game, I think, is a perfect game. If you're a teaser guy, throw Miami, get the plus eight and a half, throw throw that over to over 61. Those are two locks if you want to throw a teaser on here. I love it. Um, I know, John, you're not a you're not a big teaser guy. Oh man, I'm uh, not a big teaser. I like the foreplay. I know you do. Uh, <laughs> let's go out to Chestnut Hill. Uh, the Fighting Irish off a big victory, uh, taking on the Eagles of Boston College. Line currently at 13 and a half. Boston College getting over under 49. It's weird that this number, I mean, it opened at what, 12? Uh, or, or 13 and a half, it dipped down to 13, 12 and a half, and then shot back up to 13 and a half. Uh, really not a ton of line movement, and it hasn't crossed the key number of 14 yet. Uh, Chris, why don't you lead us off? This looks like David and Goliath. Does uh, Goliath get hit in the face here? You know, uh, <laughs> 
I'm going to throw this out there. Last week before the Clemson game, we were going over our lines for this week's games as we do before Saturday's games. And uh, we got to the Notre Dame-Boston College game and everyone gave their line. Uh, I think Jim had 10. Uh, Robbie, he's usually the highest of us, so he was probably around 14 if I, if I had to guess. And then they got to me and I said, Boston College by one. And everyone kind of looked at me like crazy, like, what? I really like this spot for Boston College. It's an obvious sandwich game for Boston for Notre Dame. Uh, coming off the big game against Clemson, I thought they would lose that game, but they ended up pulling it out. Uh, and obviously, that was, that was a Clemson team that was really banged up. They've got North Carolina on deck. Uh, you know, and, and if you watched Boston College last week, and I watched that game because we had a play on it. Yeah, I, I had a buddy who – called me up and he knows I've got uh Mazin out here so I can I can watch I get the the luxury of watching all the Syracuse Orangemen games which is just great <laughs> um and it, I was watching in Boston College drove down into the red zone on every single drive and for some reason either missed field goal kicks or just bad play calling or penalties Took them, took themselves right out of it. I felt like Boston College in that game knew they were playing a true freshman quarterback, making his first start. Knew that it was going to take a lot for him to beat them, and they played extremely conservatively. I mean, you know, they ran the ball a lot last week. And uh, I just think they figured we're going to play this game carefully. We're going to get a lead, which they did. And we're going to sit on it because we don't think this kid's going to be able to beat them. And they ran the ball 47 times, which is the most they've run it all year long and only threw 29 passes. And, you know, they really didn't push the ball downfield a lot. So I think that that was partly, you know, maybe they just didn't want to show anything and they didn't feel like they needed to because there was no way Jacoby and Morgan was going to beat them or at least they weren't going to let them beat them with, by making mistakes trying to push the ball downfield. So I think that was just a very conservative approach for Boston College. I wish I would have known that before I made the play on Boston College. I do think Boston College is going to have a tough time running against Notre Dame's defense, obviously. Notre Dame is shutting the run down, shut Travis Etienne down, only 85 rushing yards allowed a game. But uh, Yurkovic, he's, he's got a 15-4 to ratio, and you know he's fired up for this game. I mean, Chip Kelly, I, I, I have a lot of friends that are Notre Dame fans, and basically the, the feeling I got from them is that he didn't like something about Yurkovic, and he just kind of threw him away. Like, he just didn't believe in him, and he never got a fair chance there. So I think he's going to be really fired up. And Notre Dame did just allow 439 passing yards last week. And that's not, you know, the juggernaut Clemson offense that it's been in the past throwing the ball. Boston College, 9-1-1 as the home dog, five outright upsets. I think they catch the Irish at the right time. I, I, I'm not really going out on a limb and calling for the upset, but we've got this game at three. I'll go ahead and, and tell everyone Boston College is our underdog play of the week. And I, I, I smell possibly some ghosts of 1993 
when Florida State, this is a little tidbit about myself, I was 13 years old. This was the first game, the, the, the Florida State Notre Dame game in 1993 was the first game I ever gambled on. And I bet like eight of my friends that Charlie Ward in Florida State was going to smoke Notre Dame when I was 13 years old. And I lost like a bunch of quarters and <laughs> had to come back to school embarrassed the next day. I had to ask my dad to let me borrow a couple bucks because I, I bet like my entire class, $2 each. And, uh, the next week, Notre Dame lost to Boston College after beating Charlie Warden, number one Florida State. Could there be some ghosts of 1993? I know some Notre Dame fans are scared of that. They've already told me we can't let that happen again. Well, we'll see. I, I think that Boston College is a good play, though, getting 13 and a half this week, though. Bobcat. Well, you know, I'm not going to – this is not a lock of the week. If we talked on Sunday, I apologize to, to all the fighting Irish fans out there, which, you know, there's a lot of you guys. Um, very impressed with their defense. Again, I'll, I'll rehash that very quickly. Uh, the, I don't think Trevor Lawrence playing in that game would have done them any, any favors. I'm, I'm not sure that they would have won that football game even with Trevor Lawrence playing. I think DJ played out of his freaking mind. Um, the one thing that you could maybe – you know, chalk up to, to Trevor Lawrence experiences is maybe identifying blitzers a little bit better and maybe, you know, identifying different coverages. But again, he still threw for over 400 yards. And that's the first time in their 132 year history, anybody's thrown for more than 400 yards against Notre Dame. Uh, and so that alone is impressive, knowing that Trevor Lawrence has already beaten Notre Dame as a freshman a couple years ago in the college football playoff. Um, this play right here is really easy. Uh, I do think there's some ghosts of, of 1993. I don't think Boston College gets the upset. I wouldn't take the money line, but I do think this game is probably a six, seven-point ball game. I'm taking Boston College uh, at 13 and a half. Uh, I love what Jeff Halfley's been able to do in his first year. I know for a fact that Phil Jerkovic is fired up, like Chris just mentioned. Um, but Notre Dame performed so well last week without even disguising their blitzes. Uh, their defense, you know, just stuffed Travis Etienne, which, you know, Travis Etienne, you know, his tires are balding pretty fast as a senior, and there's no running back by committee. But still give credit where credit's due, 18 rushing yards uh, for Travis Etienne, who's a lock to be a first, second-round draft pick. Uh, that's extremely impressive. Um, give me Notre Dame 30, Boston College 24. I'm taking Boston College plus 13 and a half. Uh, not really looking at the total, um, but if you feel inclined – you know, I would probably play the total up to 54. I, what's it at right now, Alan? 49. Well, yeah, I'd probably play the total up to 54, call it a day. Um, but, yeah, man, just super stoked with, what, with what's to come uh, up in Boston where, you know, historically they haven't had a good college football team, uh, but they've had those damn Patriots. So, but, yeah, I, I'm not going to take this as a locker key this week uh, just out of respect uh, for the Catholic Church and the Notre Dame fan base because I was way off last week. Oh, one thing we forgot to mention, too. This is Red Bandana game. Oh, this is a Red Bandana game. Yes, it is. Well, you know, they lost the Red Bandana game last year. And I yeah, was they, they very did. disappointed with that. They have lost it before. I mean, and that's not the first loss. But they, they've pulled some huge upsets in that game, too. Yeah, I'm staying away from this game like the plague. I... I don't know. I've, if I had to, if I had to take a stance here, you know, Notre Dame won this game by 33 last year. Uh, I think they do stop 
the Boston College run. I don't think that last week Boston College was holding back against Syracuse. I really just think that they were really struggling in the red zone. Uh, and when you're struggling against a depleted, demoralized, ready to quit and get on to the next year Syracuse team, not great, Bob. Uh, so, I I mean, if I'm getting 13 and a half, if you really want to play the game, I, I actually like Notre Dame given the points. Uh, Bobcat, let's head out to uh, your second home away from home, West Lafayette. Uh, Indiana as the Boilermakers host the Wildcats. Wildcats road favorites lay in two and a half over under 50 and a half. Uh, where you go in this Big Ten matchup? And this, quite honestly, is the, the most interesting Big Ten matchup of the week. Uh, yeah, now that Maryland and Ohio State's uh, canceled or postponed, I don't know what they're doing with that. But uh, fun fact, I've never been to West Lafayette. Um, but I, I am a Rondale Moore fan. Uh, but you know, he is like the, he is Bigfoot. We don't know where he's at. We don't know what his status is. Uh, believe it when you see it. Uh, the Boilermakers don't have a rushing attack worth a damn. Uh, I don't think that, uh, they're going to be able to, to really press this Northwestern secondary, which I think is probably one of the, the best secondary units in the country. Not to mention, I, I think that their, their defensive line is insane after watching what they did to, to Leah Tungavaloa in Maryland. Uh, and since that game, you know, with Talia given time to throw, you can see that he is just as elite or every bit as of elite as his brother, Tua, um, just right-hander. Uh, so, yeah, man, I shout out to Stu. Stu locked in Northwestern and Indiana before the season even started. Um, Northwestern's defense is the real deal. Uh, they're, they're coming to the point of attack at the line of scrimmage. They're going to make you pay for any mistake that, that you give them, especially with that secondary. Uh, I like Northwestern 27, Purdue 17. I would take Northwestern in the points. Um, I would probably be inclined to stay away from the total. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I like uh, Northwestern 27, Purdue 17. Uh, so I would take, uh, you know, the two and a half. All right, before I swing it to Chris, I'm going to jump in here. This game is on my card, and I will say this. It is a really, really fun time when you get numbers that cross big lines in Vegas numbers. Chris, you know what I'm talking about. This game opened up, Purdue giving a point. It is now shifted to Northwestern giving two and a half I probably expect this to go up to three, possibly three and a half uh, by kickoff. The Wildcats defense is suffocating. I hate in the – we've seen it with a whole bunch of teams uh, a few weeks ago. This start, then stop, and then start again really does jack up teams. Uh, Purdue only lost a week, and they knew well ahead of time that they were going to play Northwestern. But this defense – it's a, it's a different kind of defense, especially in the Big Ten. Uh, Northwestern can run the ball. Peyton Ramsey is competent throwing the ball. Purdue struggled, uh, gave up almost 200 yards on the ground to a really bad Illinois team. Uh, give me the Wildcats. Uh, I'll say it more emphatically on my card. But, uh, Chris, where are you going here? 
Well, I, I'm all over Northwestern in this game. Uh, that was we, and we've been all over Northwestern all year, like like you. Uh, very first game of the year, we had a two storm power sweep that hit on Northwestern against Maryland. Uh, the following week, in their game against uh, uh, Iowa, that, Iowa, that was our underdog play of the week. That week, it ended up actually shifting to Northwestern being favored by the end of the week. And then uh, last week, Northwestern was our four-star top play of the week on our late phones. So, you know, we, we've been all over Northwestern, and uh, we're going to keep doing that. This is, this is a game that is in contention for our uh, college game of the year. We, we like the Cats a lot here. Produced 2-0, but that close win over Iowa was a little deceiving. They were outgained by 74 yards, uh, had to come back in that game. And that seven-point win against lowly Illinois, who looks awful playing with their four-string quarterback, just doesn't look good for Purdue. Northwestern's holding teams 136 yards below their average so far. Purdue's allowing 466 yards per game, and, uh, and they're allowing 165 yards above what their foes uh, average. So it, it, it just seems like – Produce kind of a lucky two and zero right now, and I don't think Northwestern's a lucky three and zero. I think they're a legit three and zero. And last year, to be honest, this team they had a really good defense at Northwestern. They were missing the quarterback. They were in well. They bad. they got hamstrung, and we talked about it before the season. Last year, you had Hunter Johnson constantly. I mean, three and outs galore, fumbles galore, interceptions galore, just really bad. Yeah, but I the mean, defense, that, I mean, that Wisconsin game. You remember that Wisconsin game from last year? And they were hanging real tough with Wisconsin, uh, stifling. I mean, Jonathan Taylor didn't hit 100 yards till like, his 30-second carry in that game. Yeah, their quarterbacks last year combined for six touchdowns and 15 interceptions between Aiden Smith, Hunter Johnson, and Andrew Marty. Aiden Smith is probably a kid that doesn't – I mean, he, he probably would be better served to be – quarterbacking in a division two school not to knock the kid but I, I just don't I think that we saw last year he's not capable of performing in the big 10 level um and they did they played really good defense last year they just needed the quarterback and they found one and that makes a lot of difference when you have a defense that's suffocating and you don't you don't necessarily need to score 30 points last week they needed 21 last year against Nebraska they needed two touchdowns to win that game. They gave up 319 yards and 13 points. This year, they did very similar. They give up 13 points again, but the difference was they had a better quarterback and they were able to win that game despite, you know, giving up virtually you know, the same amount of points as last year. So we're all over Northwestern, like the ability to stop the run, like the fact that, you know, it did open at plus two. It's, I'd love to still be uh, – getting those points, but I don't mind it minus a field goal. I've got Northwestern by at least 10 points, and uh, we're going to be looking at this game at the end of the week. I love it. I love it. Uh, right after this short break, we're going to come right back with our cards, our locks and keys right after that. All right, we're back. Locks and keys. We're going to start. We're going to work our way up to who's the leader, the top dog in the hen house. Uh, as the Bobcat would say, uh, we're going to start at the bottom, though. Somebody who needs to kind of work their way up a little bit. Chris Van Dyne, uh, five and four. 
Um, you know, you're ahead slightly of the Bobcat, but uh, Bobcat has more plays, so give him a little bit extra credit. Uh, where are you going right now? I mean, I'm assuming the the picks you've given out already are on your card. Do you have another? Uh, yeah, a couple of those plays are on my card. I've got Northwestern. Uh, I'm all over the Wildcats this week. I, I still like that Miami-Virginia Tech over. I'll throw that one out. I got one more, and I'm going to go back to a team that failed me last week and uh, kind of bitch for a second about COVID and uh, announcing players are out for a game 90 minutes before kickoff. But uh, it'd be really nice if these coaches could be a little more um, – and I, I know it, it's not David Shaw's fault – but uh, it would be nice to know if a quarterback's not going to play earlier than 90 minutes before the game. It'd also be uh, nice to hit four, four field goals. That'd be cool, too. That would help. Uh, I was going to get to that as well because that <laughs> actually blew me nuts. But, uh, you know, I put my bets in at 440, uh, 545 Eastern, and I found out at, I think, 555 that uh, Davis Mills and – uh, their receiver, uh, Weddington, is we're not playing. And I would have never bet Stanford last week if I knew their starting quarterback, who was a big reason I was making that play, wasn't playing. I, I guess David Shaw didn't even find out until, like, really late that he tested positive and was out. So, you know, but uh, it would also have been nice. You know, Stanford really didn't get dominated. Like, I've, I've seen some people say Oregon dominated them. I don't think Oregon dominated that game. Stanford couldn't make a freaking field goal. And they all, you know, they need to capitalize on the red zone more. But, uh, you know, that Stanford was only minus 83 yards per yards in that game. They did a decent job running the ball, which was a relief because last year, if you last two years, really, they really struggled to run the ball. But Austin Jones had 100 rushing yards last week. Jack West looks serviceable. He was a highly recruited kid. Um, I'm going to take Stanford this week in a comeback spot off the loss against a Colorado team that kind of reminds me of remember how Rutgers won their first game and people thought, Oh, Rutgers, you know, that they turned it around, you know, the, the Greg Schiano hasn't turned around already. Wow. And then the next week, Indiana covered, you know, somewhat easily that the Rutgers made that game a little closer at the end, but I think it's the same situation. I think Colorado is not nearly as good as they might've looked last week against UCLA. I think UCLA is, uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I think they suck. I think that Chip Kelly's doing it. It's just not going to work there. Um, they put up 525 yards. I'll give credit to Colorado for that. And they did run the ball really well, but I don't think they're going to do that to Stanford. They gave up 478 yards and 303 passing yards to a quarterback that's more, you know, Bethel Thompson is more of a runner. Uh, and I, I just think that this Colorado team off that win is set up to fail. And I really like Stanford to bounce back off the loss. Hopefully Jet Toner, who, you know, he's a good kicker. He, 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 just I don't know what was up with him last last week and I don't know what was up with the decision by David Shaw when you're down 28 to 7 to kick a field goal it was 10 minutes left in the game I mean that didn't make any sense anyways because what the heck was three points doing you all it did was hurt his kicker's confidence by sending him out there and missing a straight on like 35 yard field goal but uh I I think the Stanford's do for a big bounce back I like David Shaw I respect the job he does and I just think that Carl Doral 
it's going to be a little over his head in this game. So I'm going to take Stanford. They're only laying, I think, seven and a half right now. And I don't mind laying points with Stanford like that in this game. It's at home. Big bounce back for Stanford this week. All righty. That's a uh, ballsy play because uh, the Pac-12 is a dumpster fire. Bobcat, 10-10, uh, 500, but you're shooting. You're coming off a really nice week, 4-2 and two last week. Uh, where are you going here this week? Yeah, man. So I'm going to run through these really, really quick. If you guys have any questions, uh, feel free to, uh, to interject. Um, so Vanderbilt Commodores are traveling up to, uh, to Lexington, Kentucky. Kentucky is given 17 points. I'm not sure when the last time Kentucky's beat anybody by 17 points. I'm taking Vandy plus 17. Mississippi State. Yeah. Uh, okay. But this is a this is a this is a 31-17 game, a 28-17, a 24-10 game. Uh, Vanderbilt's only scored more than uh, 17 points one time this year. That was against Ole Miss. Uh, I think Ken Seals and that offense are starting to come alive. Granted, Ole Miss's defense is pretty much non-existent, uh, but I did like what I saw out of that. Uh, give me Vandy plus 17 at Kentucky. I'm doing my redemption pick from last week, where West Virginia did me dirty on the money line against Texas. They should have won that game. Uh, West Virginia is given three to, to TCU. Uh, this is a 31-27 final for me. I'm taking West Virginia and the three points. Give me that. Uh, next game, Indiana-Michigan State. Michigan State, I don't know what the hell they're doing. They beat Michigan. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, last week, real believer in the Hoosiers here. I think the Hoosiers are probably going to score 35 points. I do like um, – you know, how Sunshine McGee back there uh, at quarterback uh, for, for Sparty, he's throwing that ball downfield. He's got some really good ball placement. I think he's doing a hell of a job at quarterback, especially in a new new system uh, with a head coach that he just met probably six weeks ago. I like the over 51 and a half at this, in this game. That's going to be my play here, 35-28 final score. Uh, I think Michigan State keeps it a little bit interesting. What's that over? 51 and a half is what I got it at on my card. Yep, so 51 and a half. Uh, then we're going uh, to, to Penn State, Nebraska. Penn State is a team playing for absolutely nothing. Very similar to the Michigan uh, Walmart Wolverines up there in Big Ten country. Give me the Nebraska money line. I think that uh, Nebraska is like a two and a half point favorite. I'm taking Nebraska money line. This is a 27-20 football game. Easy money right there. Arkansas, Florida with a hurricane coming in. They're still going to play on Saturday. Uh, not a care in the world. Nobody has ever beaten Sam Pittman's breaks off this year. He's played very competitive and very close. Florida's laying 17 and a half points here. I like Arkansas plus 17 and a half. I think they keep this game really, really close, especially after a big cocktail party victory. Uh, 34-27, give me Arkansas plus 17 and a half. Back up, talk about Walmart Wolverines. Wisconsin's given four and a half, uh, traveling to Michigan. Really like what I've seen from, from what little bit we've seen from Wisconsin in week one. Uh, I think they are a talented football team. Maybe not as talented as, as we're used to seeing. Still to be determined. You know, they lost a couple of weeks there. Uh, but at four and a half points, I'm taking them all day. This is another 28-20 final. Just just bloodbath of a dumpster fire with, with Michigan up there. It's time to fire Jim Harbaugh. I, I called. I said I think that, you know, President Trump would concede and uh, Harbaugh be fired by Wednesday. Totally wrong there. Uh, and then we're going back down to SEC country with South Carolina traveling uh, to the good old, uh, man, Lafayette County, Mississippi. 
taking on Ole Miss. Uh, South Carolina's 11 and a half point underdogs. I do think that South Carolina and Ole Miss kind of play into each other a little bit where Will Muschamp's defense kind of gets up for games like this, like we saw against Auburn. Uh, I'm not taking South Carolina to win this game outright. I'm just taking South Carolina plus 11 and a half. This is going to be a really, really close game, like 42-35, know, 38 I think this is going to be a really close game, maybe even overtime there. I would stay away from the total, which I think is at 70 right now. Stay away from that. Um, but, yeah, those are my picks for the week. Any questions? Tons, but, uh, I, you know, I don't know – I don't know about what your inclination is to go back to the Mountaineers and uh, what's a, Nebraska doesn't look good at all. Uh, I, and I know Penn state, that was a letdown moment. Could it just be that Maryland's a steamroller? It t- talk me through those thoughts. So the way Nebraska looked uh, in week one in the first half against Ohio state, Justin Fields did play out of his freaking mind. I thought that there were some some really bad calls in the second half at the start of the second half that really, you know, had Nebraska hanging their heads. And then on the flip side in Happy Valley, a.k.a. Sad Valley, uh, and James Franklin about to head back to uh, Vanderbilt where he can, you know, be a, a four and four coach each year. Uh, I, I think that the, his team's not getting up to play anybody. I think they just look beat. They look beat down. And I think Nebraska is very energized. I know that they wanted that Wisconsin game very badly. They've wanted to play this season for a long time. Coach Frost has got these boys prepared. They looked every bit of it uh, in the first half against Ohio State. But, again, you're playing Justin Fields, who is, you know, a -a once-in-a-generation talent at quarterback up there, and he just commands that offense. Uh, So, yeah, I love Nebraska all day uh, over Penn State. They've they've got nothing to play for. What was the other one? You, you like the Mountaineers? You want to know about my Mountaineers? Yeah, yeah you, you've gone so with this the is, Mountaineers. I, I went again. with the Mountaineers twice. I really liked what I saw last week at Texas. I like what I saw the week before. I think it was, was it Iowa State or was it Oklahoma State? I don't know. Neither here nor there. I like what I've seen from West Virginia the past two weeks. I really think they should have won that game last week. I know we were texting about it, and I'm like, dude, there's still plenty of time. I think West Virginia – you know, puts the throttle down here. I think it was a, it was a bunch of sloppy, just bad, over-reviewed football. Um, and then, you know, TCU, I think TCU is, is struggling. Yeah, they, they defeated Texas earlier in the year. I think I took them in that upset. Uh, but, yeah, man, give me West Virginia uh, by three. You could actually take the money line there. Stu and I take the money line if it's under three and a half. All right. Uh, so is that going to be instead of the uh, three, you want money line? Yeah, I'll take the money line. That's fine. Okay. We I like these Mountaineers this year. I, I, I think they're an underrated team. They, they've been competitive all year. Yeah, nobody. Team, beginning of the year, they, they made a lot of sloppy mistakes. I, remember, that was our September 5-star. We, we had uh, West Virginia against Baylor. We had to sweat that one out, but that really should have been an easy win for West Virginia. They've got a hell of a defense. They do, and I thought Baylor would have the defense with Dave Aranda, but that was not the case. It's going to take some time. Yeah, they lost a lot from last year's defense. That, 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 that defense was loaded, but the, he lost his entire defensive line. Right. But hopefully, I can go seven and seven this week. Shut Allen up. <laughs> well, seven and seven, uh, it, that'll be hard to do. But maybe seven and zero. Oh. Who knows? Um, or seven and zero. Oh, that's what I meant. Sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, I'm thinking baseball. Seven for seven. It's a thousand. 
You're betting yeah, I'm, a thousand. I'm gonna bet a thousand. The same baseball though. Uh, this is foosball, and the the big champ champ in the building is myself. Twenty one and thirteen, six and two last week. Uh, it, an amazing week. The week prior, even uh, to dig myself out of a hole. Couple back to back winning weeks. Let's do it again. Uh, late addition to the card, Ole Miss. Um, just going to mark that down right here. No reason for that, just uh, late breaking news. Um, we're going to start Ole Miss, obviously, laying the points. Uh, Indiana, they're going to go in. Michigan State, Just I've been saying it all year long. They're talent depleted. The Michigan game was now looking back in retrospect kind of a flukish thing. Michigan just decided not to do anything to help themselves win the game uh, because they couldn't coach themselves out of a paper bag. Uh, so that kind of blurs things. Indiana's really good, even though you got Sugar Ray Robinson at quarterback. Uh, give me the Hoosiers lane to seven. The new team show. Uh, of the show here, we've we've messed this up, Bobcat. Who was it for? It was Georgia Tech for a minute. Who else was it? It was uh, Pitt. I think it was Pitt, then Georgia oh, Tech, God. then Tulsa. Yeah. We've messed this up, but I think we found it. We found it with the Chanticleers, okay? We're going to the fun belt. Give me the Chanticleers laying 10 points. This team is really good, and Troy is – very average. I think the Chanticleers are, are playing really good defense and they have a really strong offense. And then the fun belt, that makes a, a whole host of, uh, of problems because a lot of these teams are, you know, when I've, from what little I've seen of Troy and, and somebody back me up, Chris, you can, if you want to, very average, very average to slightly below. Yeah, I mean, they're just an average uh, uh, Sun Belt team. They were missing their quarterback for a little while, but I, I do believe he's back. Um, you know, just looking at their season so far, close loss to Georgia State. They, they had a nice win against Arkansas State a few weeks ago, which I think was their best performance. Uh, they got smoked by BYU earlier this year, beat a, a bad Middle Tennessee team at the beginning of the year and a bad Texas State team and a barely beat Eastern Kentucky. So, you know, they're coming off a loss against Georgia Southern. I, I'm not I'm not a real big fan of uh, of Troy this year. The only thing I will say is it does worry me that the big game for Coastal is on deck with App State. Well, you brought them up, App State laying the 16 and a half. Last week you talked about, you know, you gave out Georgia State late, um, and it was the right play. Uh, they let Louisiana Monroe backdoor cover them. And I think me and you talked right after that game, Georgia State's defense is abysmal. Louisiana Monroe is honestly one of the bottom five teams in the country. They don't do anything well. And they were able to consistently move the ball uh, against Georgia State. Give me App State to just pounce on them. Uh, so a lot of fun belt this week. Let's go out west. I love San Jose State. You know, I, I was really against the Spartans after that game against Air Force, but the last few weeks uh, they have just pulverized teams. 
And even with uh, Starkle out, Nick Starkle, you know him, Bob K. You remember him fondly. Uh, the SEC transfer, he, he, he's questionable. But Nick Nash steps in, and they beat a really good San Diego State team who's favored by double digits over Hawaii this week. San Jose State's defense is legit. UNLV struggled against the Wolfpack of Nevada. Um, give me San Jose State. I love them this week. Wisconsin, minus four and a half. This game, I Chris, can you va- verify or, or Bobcat, maybe you guys know this. I heard that the game initially did open as at some books as Michigan favored by three. Is that true? I, I mean, when I initially saw the line, it was a one and a half Wisconsin uh, favored. I never saw that. Yeah, unfortunately, Stu, I was in travel mode. Um, never got to see the opening lines until – well, I think the first time I looked at lines was this afternoon. So, Okay. So I, I've heard different accounts, but I'll go with the one and a half. It's crossed the threshold of three, steamed out to four and a half. Uh, that's a big move. You, Wisconsin, we talked to Asher Lowe, Lockdown Badgers podcast. He's pretty much said that these guys have known this was going to be the game for a week and a half now. Uh, Graham Mertz has been conditioning with the team since Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. He's going to full practice today. Uh, He's going to play in this game. This Wisconsin team is hungry. Uh, They definitely want this victory. What little wins they are going to be able to get this year, they want them. Michigan is a team defeated. Uh, that defense, now you're missing Aiden Hutchinson, one of their top two defensive linemen. You're missing your best offensive lineman, Jalen Mayfield. Those guys are gone. Uh, real tough times if you're a Wolverine fan. Give me Wisconsin. Uh, I love Northwestern. We've already talked about them. Uh, I'm going to take the Miami Vatek over 67. And uh, I think that wraps up my card. Oh, Oh, no, who is it? It's Kevin Nash. It's Scott Hall. The real team of this podcast, Bobcat. Nevada. Give me Romeo Dubs. Nevada laying the points with the over. Wolfpack for life. There we go. Let the music play. And that will do it for us this week. Bobcat, I'll see you Sunday for our review show. Chris Van Dyne, North Coast Sports, five-star game of the year this week. What just happened? It's Nevada Wolfpack, baby. This is about as straight as a dildo on the end of a sailboat. Well, (laughs) that's too bad because the Wolfpack are here. The Wolfpack are in the building. That's that's the real – I faked you out with the Chanticleers. Yeah, really I, was, the I, was confu- I was confused. I was like, the Chanticleers are not the team of the pods. But okay. Yeah, well, the Wolfpack are. Wolfpack Roll damn cover. pack, baby. Roll, Roll damn, damn pack. pack. Uh, shout out Kevin Nash. All right, see you boys next week. It's been a fun show. Uh, and we will be back uh, Monday morning with a brand new podcast. See you guys.